So if you can get a SEAL team that goes to South America or Afghanistan and you get four guys that are able to train 100 guys and train those 100 guys to each train 100 guys, that's called force multiplication. So if we can do that to kill people, why can't we do that to main people, machinists and welders and fabricators? If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. This is part two of a two-part interview with Workshops for Warriors. To hear part one of this interview, please go to makingchips.com slash 34. Hey, Jason, I know you sell and service vending machines through your company. Did you know that ThyssenKrupp can set up a defined vendor management system? much like you do for your tooling vending systems? Yeah, we actually do this all the time with tooling and MRO supplies and safety supplies, so I completely understand the concept. But tell me how ThyssenKrupp would do that in a materials application. Well, let's say I was awarded a contract from my customer to manufacture 50,000 pieces. They would want monthly releases of, let's say, 4,200. When I use ThyssenKrupp as my material supplier... They would work with me to release the material as I need it, much like how my customer needs the finished product monthly releases. ThyssenKrupp would do the same with the raw material. That's great. It's a really proactive way for ThyssenKrupp to service their customers. So as I see it, the material is guaranteed. The shop floor isn't overloaded with inventory, and it kind of solves the cash flow problem. Absolutely. It's a smart way to buy, and it certainly does help cash flow. Our listeners should reach out to their ThyssenKrupp inside or outside salesperson to discuss vendor management systems or go to the ThyssenKrupp website, which is www.tkmna.com to see all of their value-added services they offer. And we have extended our ThyssenKrupp promotion. Please use the code CHIPS2 for 15% off at onlinemetals.com. You have proven that you can serve. You've proven you can communicate. We're going to get you the the necessary training and credentials and experience to become a machinist or a welder or a fabricator. And then we're going to push you into the workforce. That's why we have a 100% placement and retention rate since 2011, which is when we started keeping statistics. What does an employer need to consider? So one of your veterans has gone through your program Mm -hmm. and they're certified. They've gone through the NIMS process and they're a certified machinist. What do they need to consider when employing a veteran as opposed to, you know, somebody else that has gone through a similar program and is not a veteran? I think they would need to consider uh, funding the training of that veteran because the only complaint we've ever received from employers is how do we get more? Why don't you have 30 more available right now? Okay. We need to put more money into training our veterans because we need more manufacturing workers. I don't care where we train them, frankly. I mean, veterans is just my particular sweet spot, right? That's where my time and money is going to go to. Right. But America's got a need for 2.3 million advanced manufacturing employees, period. Right. period. And that needs only increasing because it's a dwindling pool of candidates. Yep. A lot of people are retiring. Well, you're getting cannibalization. So right. what happens, right? The bigger companies will poach from the smaller companies who will poach from their subs. But guess what? 
it's the same pool of candidates. And after a while, you're only going to have X amount of people, except that they're getting older every single year. There's no training pipeline in the U.S. right now that can they can meet the demand. And if you think about it, if we were to go to war tomorrow, sea lanes were cut, how would America rebuild herself? How would we have the ability to do what we did in World War II, which is train the sick, lame, and lazy and those that couldn't go to war? How do you train those people to become machinists, welders, fabricators? And right now, we don't have that ability at all. So what I'm saying is, Kids, great. I agree. We should teach all kids elementary high schools. But right now, this moment, that elementary school kid is not going to be turning chips in your shop. No way. Whereas one of our veterans in 16 weeks, they're on your shop floor and they're making money for you. Well, I love that you have 100% job placement here. I mean, I think that's a great statistic. And it, it's just proof that what you're doing is is positive and, and there's a need for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have the desire to increase your capacity like four or five fold, right? Well, when we went to the White House uh, two years ago, I was asked to start 103 different locations throughout the U.S., which we would love to do. How many? Can't do that overnight. Three. Let's talk about that, and then I have a follow-up question to that. So tell us about, about your time at the White House. So we were asked to go to the White House to represent, uh, I was elected as this White House champion of change for what we're doing with veterans. And Again, I was just there as a the speaker, basically, for our organization. And once they realized what we were doing with veterans and the training pipeline and the ramifications it would have not only for America, but for ver- veteran integration, they immediately said, well, do you have the ability to expand? I said, yes. The whole reason that we have all these trademark programs are so that we can grow in a scalable, sustainable manner. And it's in a modular manner. So if you're going to one market that only does sheet metal working, well, we'll just insert the sheet metal working module of our training school. If they're doing CNC welding or CNC machining, we'll do that. If they need every one of our skill sets, then we'll, we'll deploy a full facility. So what we have here is a stackable modular school that can be deployed anywhere in the world. It's common curriculum, nationally recognized credentials, and then a way of getting candidates to the employers that need them. Do you have the desire to open up another workshop for warriors in another part of the country? Or do you think that you could equip a another person to open up a similar facility in another part of the country? Either, either. My goal is okay. to get veterans reintegrated. Is there another a specific city or region in this country where there's a big hotbed? Of veterans? We literally have over 150 possible locations that are ripe for another Workshops for Warriors facility. What's the next step? What's holding you back from funding? So here's a question. We go back 300 years and I say, you know what, Jim? I have this idea and I want to get this letter from the West Coast to the East Coast. How many years ago? 300. Okay. I say, and I want to get this letter from the West Coast to Florida and from Florida to Oregon. But I don't want to pay more than 50 cents. Develop that system for me. Right. right now you say, oh, no problem, the post office. Think of the massive infrastructure required to support that one little letter going from the East Coast to West Coast, West Coast to Oregon. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Right now there's no training pipeline, period, zero, for advanced manufacturing. None. That's holistic or large enough to go all over the world. That has common nationally recognized credentials. There's so much infighting between different credentialing bodies yes. and, and different organizations. And I think that the broader picture is if you need welding, right, American Welding Society, like we're stuck in this VHS Betamax debate versus not realizing that 
the meteor is coming and you either deploy a shield to fix that meteor or we are all going to die. And they're like, well, I don't know. I think we should wear red uniforms. No, let's wear blue uniforms. Does it matter? Forget it. No, let's move. Put on a uniform. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So we need to find a way to certify like a, a workshop for warriors program within existing manufacturing training facilities in order to get those veterans into those facilities and get them trained for Not free. Even. We just need to fund it. That's okay. it. Funding so is the biggest. This is the thing, right? If you're making ships, do you really want to start a school? Right now. Right. No. So no. you want to get people that are trained. So that's what we do. We run a school. Right. We run an advanced manufacturing training school. How many schools out there have a million dollar CNC laser, a half a million dollar five axis flow water jet, yeah. 10 Haas machines right, right. with five axis capabilities. It's impressive what you've got, yeah. But you need to train people on them. Yep. If you were a small machine shop, guess what? Those machines would be making parts for you. There's no way you'd let some rookie student use your five axis lathe. There's no, no way. There's no way. So funding is your biggest pain point. It's I the understand. only pain point. But if you had the funding, what would be the next pain point? I think it would probably be instructors. Great point. So this is my thing. If you're in the military, you do something called train the trainer. Right. So if you can get a SEAL team that goes to South America or Afghanistan and you get four guys that are able to train a hundred guys and train those hundred guys to each train a hundred guys, that's called force multiplication. So if we can do that to kill people, why can't we do that to main people, machinists and welders and fabricators? So these are all military people that are going through our school. We're using the same exact construct. We are doing a train the trainer course and we're teaching them to be the SEAL teams of machinists or welders or fabricators. Their goal is not just to go out there and do the work. It's do the work, show others how to do the work, certify the others to do that work, and then go somewhere else. Teach someone. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like we need the manufacturing community, every business owner out there that owns a machining company to say, I'm going to put a little bit of my time and a little bit of my money towards training the next generation of machinists. And if we can get everybody to do that, we've got a huge snowball of training the trainers and getting more people, thousands of people into the manufacturing industry, which, and if we don't do that, all those jobs are going to go overseas. And on we know, and, and Jason and I talk a lot about this, about the industry and the image of the industry. What do you think the biggest holdback is for people not getting involved in advanced manufacturing? I think there's a whole bunch of corporate inertia that won't allow any type of facts or data to come in and pierce this little story that they've created for themselves. Over the last six or seven years, I've been very fortunate to have been, to be invited to many different manufacturing events. And literally, I could go in there and 80% of the time to one of our colleagues, I'll write down the five most frequently asked questions and they'll be right on. They're not thinking about the workforce like they would be thinking about any other pressing manufacturing need, tooling. They just think that people are a separate thing that's going to come no matter what. But they're going to be the first people to try and shave three seconds off their cycle times. Yep. And they yep. don't view that at all. They just yep. don't understand that training pipelines are training pipelines. If you want people to do tomorrow's advanced manufacturing, you have to train them today. And you're not going to have this massive pool of candidates available because everyone else in the U.S. Have, will have already hired them. Right. So you have to devote enough money to get these schools. You know, Workshops isn't the only one, but... Have people help fund the con- this training. But to be fair, you need to have these objective standards by which you can train or you can gauge the effectiveness of that training. 
So you can say, we demand a NIMS level two CNC mills guy. We demand an Amada certified laser operator. We demand that they have a flow certification or whatever that may be. But let's have all the standards be standardized, literally, and right. say, all right, if they can operate a five axis flow water jet, they can probably operate another brand of water jet with a week of training, right? Right. If they can operate a Haas mill, they can probably operate another one in a couple of days, right? right? Because they've got the skill set already and right. they're kind of ingrained. In it. It's kind of ingrained in them. It, it all kind of flows from one equipment piece of equipment If you can drive another. a Rolls-Royce, you can drive a Kia, right? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. What are your manufacturing clients, the people that are hiring your veterans, saying about the program? I mean, do you have a story that you could tell us about what somebody has has told you about hiring oh, veterans? <laughs> a success story. Is that what you... Yeah. A success so story. I've got yeah. a couple. But I can't... It's a very big Fortune 200 companies, but I can't say that. Right. No, you no, the right, name right, names, but yeah. they said they called me up one day and they said, "Hey, I need to talk to you." And I thought, "Oh, great, you know, our our first student going to this big company." Oh, you thought it was going to be a bad big aviation company, and they said, "I want to tell you a story." I said, "All right, go on." I said, "Well, I noticed two days ago that one of your graduates, one of the guys that we just hired as part of our pilot program, was was just staring at me outside my window, and there were a couple of other people online to see me in the office, and he was there waiting for fifteen minutes, and then he left, and then." Yesterday, I get a call from our QA people saying somebody filled out this unauthorized requisition for an end mill, and it was this guy. So when I went to him today and said, hey, graduate of Workshops for Warriors, why did you not do what we were supposed to do? Why did you not go through the proper channels to get the end mill to get that part? And your graduate said, boss, you said get that part done no matter what. End of today, I waited in your office for 15 minutes, and I thought you're paying me so much money in 15 minutes. I paid for that end mill. I checked out exactly <laughs> the end mills that you got. I got the cert for it right here. And your part's done. He did exactly what he was told to do, right? And he called me up and said, your guy punched through the paper bag. He got the certs. He got the right end mill. He had the paperwork. What do we need to do to get 10 more? Perfect. That's a great so story. Great. Our guys punched through the paper bag. Yeah. Great. Great. Do you have any disappointments that you could tell us about? You know, I think my greatest disappointment would be my failure to be able to explain to very, very intelligent people why it is that they need to support the program or how it's important to them to support this program. Because they'll get it. If I tell them, if you use this tooling, you'll shave three seconds off your cycle time. If you use this machine, it'll go light soft manufacturing. If all of us help fund this training program, it will be cheaper for all of us. And we will all get train people into the workforce and will reduce veteran unemployment and will increase the amount of people paying taxes. I've been unable to make that pitch to your normal machine shop owner that believes that it's the government's responsibility to train people or that they don't want to do it, but they're the first ones that understand that you're not going to get production pricing and production quantities. And I would love your help with that. Right now it costs my wife and I about $25,000 every four months to train somebody and provide them a living stipend. So in addition to, in addition to, right. And that's the Gene Haas Foundation, for example, provided a million dollar scholarship that's matched dollar for dollar. So for every dollar we get, they'll donate a dollar. And that helps people that are going through the program that maybe have to have rent or pay their mortgage or whatever that may be. That'll give them up to $2,500 a month to go through our training program. And it, it offsets the cost for us to train that, that person. Well, 
Thank you. Absolutely. We appreciate it's your been stories. A pleasure. And, you know, I think our call to action would be for our listeners, go to makingchips.com slash WFW. And we're going to put information up there for you to get involved, to make a donation to what Workshop for Warriors is doing. I think it's a valid mission that they have to rebuild American manufacturing one veteran at a time. And they can't do it without the funding that comes from the manufacturing industry. I know that they've got a lot of great sponsors who have who have donated millions of dollars. But the small guys need to come on board too. We do. We really the small guys we gotta, need to come on gotta... board. They absolutely do. And you know, I hope I'm not speaking out of terms, but I think that Jim and I, you know, we're going to make a donation, um, and we'd like to see our listeners also make a donation. So if, if they can go to our website, go to makingchips.com/wfw, and get all the information that you need in order to to contribute. I, I think it's a, it's a valid. A mission couple that quick they have. points. One thing is, I want to make sure to your listeners that they understand. We are not funded by any state, local, or federal agency. The only we- reason that we're able to keep our doors open is thanks to the donation of small and medium organizations and individual donors. There's and no like state funding at all. None. Zero. I think you guys should be. I mean, I think that I the too. government should be throwing money at well, you guys that's to get this going. So we're in this eight-year process to get GI Bill funding. And we're in six, year six of that eight-year process. So if you really want to help us, go to Sacramento, go to the U.S. Senate and say, if America is looking for an innovative way of getting veterans reintegrated, if America is looking for an integrative way to start advanced manufacturing, then let's fund workshops for warriors. See what they do for a year or two. They have data tracking back to 2011. Let's make that program go throughout the United States. For both of you, in fact, Jim and Jason, I'd like you to just think about this for one moment. I hope your kids know about this because our goal is that 150 years from now, people will see that Workshops for Warriors in San Diego was the birthplace for America's third manufacturing renaissance. Oh, I love that. That's a, that, that's, yes, that's great. I, I love got it. goosebumps. Yeah. Cool. Love it. So it requires writing, writing letters, letters and talking to so people. So we need, okay. So I think what we also can do is we can equip our, our listeners to write a letter and, and, and to bring some awareness to you guys. Thank you very much for your help. You're gentlemen. welcome. You're welcome. Well, Pleasure you. being here today. And thank you so much for coming to San Diego. You're always welcome. And for the veterans that are out there, please do not lose hope. Come to our school. We're happy to help. We're happy to fix you. And we're all one big community. Don't let the temporary setback hold you down. And Absolutely. Keep pushing on. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for your service. Thank you. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Making Chips.